Okay, so what we're going to do to this evening is we're going to review what we saw last week and then hopefully go further and maybe go deeper as well, I hope. So, um, we'll read the, the, the Gemara inside the Mishnah and the Gemara from what we did last week. And the same thing, you can either follow along inside the text or just listen along. So on the page that you have in front of you, Tess Ahmed Base, it's 9b in Bav Metziah. In the middle of the page is the text of the Mishnah and Gemara. And halfway down, there's a bold, at the beginning of the line, there's a, there's a bold section. A bold couple of words, Mem Taf Nun Yud, Masnisin, which stands for Mishnah in Aramaic. And the Mishnah says, If someone was riding on an animal, on the back of an animal, and he saw a lost article on the side of the road, and he said to a fellow, somebody down there, Tnoli, give that to me. Notla, so the guy on the ground took it, Va'amar, ani zuchisiba, and he said, I'm keeping it. Zachaba, he gets to keep it. V'imishin, nasnalei amar ani zuchisiba, t'chila, but if after he gave it already to the guy on the, on the back of the animal, he then said, I got it first. Lo'i amar klum, he said nothing. Right? That was the Mishnah. Yeah, does it ring a bell? Good. So the, the guy's in the back of the donkey and he, and he says to someone else, oh, can you pick up that, that $100 bill on the side of the road or that, 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 that lost article? So the guy picks it up and says, I want to keep it. He, ca he can keep it. It's his. But if after he gave it to the guy on the donkey, he says, I picked it up first. It's, it's mine. Too late. It's, it belongs to the guy on the donkey. So says the Mishnah. The Gemara goes into this further. And says the following, where it says Gimel Mem is Gemara. Says the Gemara. Tanan, it says in a Mishnah elsewhere, there's a different Mishnah talking about a different topic, but it's related, and we're going to see why. Tanan Hasam, it says over there, Misha Likit somebody who took the corners of a field, which the corners of a field, according to Jewish law, have to be, have to be uh, donated to the poor, left for the poor to collect. So here you have somebody, yeah, Justin, no worries. Um, somebody has gone into a field and taken the corners of the field, which are supposed to be for the poor, right? But he says, I'm collecting this for so-and-so, the poor man. So this is not for me. I'm taking it for, for somebody else, the poor man. I'm claiming this charity, this, this cro these crops that go to charity. I'm claiming it for a poor man. Rabbi Leezer says, that's fine. He could do that. He has acquired the charity on behalf of the poor man. But the sages disagree and say, he has to give it to the first poor man he finds. Why? We have an issue here. There is a part of a field that is supposed to be left for the poor. This guy has lifted it up, but not for himself. He's taken it on behalf of a poor man who's not here now. Right? So we have an issue potentially here, and that is, there's a principle that you can acquire something on behalf of somebody else, but not if it's going to make an, a third party lose. So in, in this case, this produce that's in the field, it's left on the corner for who? Any poor person, anyone is allowed to come and take it who is poor. When this guy comes and takes it on behalf of another poor person, not for himself, but on behalf of another poor person, so no other poor person can get it. He's taken, it, he's taken the rights away from anybody else who, 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 would, who would be a valid recipient. And so that is an issue. Rabbi Leezer says, no, it's not an issue. He can do it. It's for the poor person. He can do it. The sages say, no, he can't do it. Now, we're going to have, have, need to explain why does Rabbi Leezer say it's okay? Why is it okay for somebody to take, not for himself, but for somebody else, 
when others are going to miss out. Others don't have the opportunity to take the, uh, this, this, this uh, produce. So Amr Ullah, Amr Bishur ben Levi. Ullah said in the name of Rabbi Shur ben Levi, la'ani. This debate in this Mishnah, whether or not somebody can take for a third party poor person, is only when the person taking is himself not a poor person. He is a wealthy man who does not, is not a, a charity recipient. The question is, can somebody who is wealthy take on behalf of a poor person? Rabbi Eliezer, Savar, Rabbi Eliezer says, yes, he can. Why? Why, why, is, why does Rabbi Eliezer say a, a person who is himself wealthy, therefore not a valid recipient of this charity, how can he take on behalf of a poor man? We said the Migu, remember, Mr. Migu? The, the Migu logic. Migu means since. Because this rich man, in theory, would be able to render ownerless all of his property. He could relinquish ownership of all of his money. Say, anyone can take it, it's not mine anymore. And he would therefore be a poor man. So he's a potential poor man. And therefore he would be a valid recipient of the charity. Because he's a poor man now. So since he's a potential valid recipient, so therefore even now we could say he is a potentially valid recipient of this charity. And since he's able to acquire it for himself, he's able to acquire it on behalf of somebody else. When do we say that you can't take property for somebody else and therefore disadvantage other people? That's only when you don't have the right to take it yourself. But if you could take it yourself, then you have the right to take it. And if you have the right to take it, you can take it for somebody else. Does this man have a right to take it? He's rich. He doesn't have a right to take it, but he has a migu. He has a, since he could, in theory, become a poor man and therefore be valid to take this, this charity, he can take it on behalf of a, a, a poor man who is actually able to receive it. That was Rabbi Lezer's logic. Is this all coming back? We, we learned this last week. So Rabbi Eliezer has here used a, a logical device twice. He's made two, two theoreticals. In theory, he could be a poor man. And in theory, therefore, he could be a recipient. So therefore, he can give it to somebody else. Because he could acquire it for himself. He can acquire it for somebody else, for the other poor man. That's why Rabbi Eliezer says it is okay for him to do this. So what do the sages say? The Rabban and Savri, the other sages who disagree with Rabbi Eliezer, they say, Chad You can say one theoretical, but but not two theoreticals. Mm-hmm. To say that in theory he could be poor and therefore acquire it for himself. And if he can acquire it for himself, then in theory he can acquire it for somebody else. That's too much of a stretch. If you are a valid recipient of this charity, you can acquire it for somebody else. If you can acquire it for yourself, and thereby take it away from everybody else, you can acquire it for somebody else. You can do that. But if you're not a valid recipient, we're not going to say, well, because you could become a valid recipient by relinquishing all of your money. That's too theoretical. That's too much of a stretch. We, we, we can't allow that. So the sages disagree with Rabbi Eliezer and say that if a wealthy person takes the corners of the field that should go to a poor man, and he takes it on behalf of a poor man, you can't do that. The sages say, you cannot do that. You can't take away the rights of this charity because you yourself are not a valid recipient. So therefore you have to give it to the first poor man you see. You can't hold it and reserve for the poor man that you like. Yeah? I've got a modern day equivalent. It's like when you see a parking spot and the guy stands in the parking spot, he's like, I'm getting it for the friend who's coming around the corner. I'm like, no, I'm here now. I've got my spot. I want the right, spot. Right, exactly. You can't hold it for the guy. Like, You're not in a car. Yeah. If you're in a car, you park. If you're not in a car, you don't, you, you don't have the right to, to a car park. Good, good equivalent. I like it. So you're not allowed to do that according to the sages. You can't reserve a car park uh, when you're on foot. But Rabbi Eliezer says, since you could get in your car and park, so therefore you can, you can hold it for somebody else. Okay. Now, so far... 
this has not been directly related to our Mishnah about finding things on the back of a donkey, right? But now we're going to see the connection. Rav Nachman, if you want to follow where we are, we are six lines from the bottom of the Gemara, the bottom of the page of, of the text in the middle. In the middle of the, of the sixth last line, Omer Lei Rav Nachman. We're now being introduced to Rav Nachman, one of the rabbis of the Talmud, who says back to Ula, Omer Rav Nachman Ula. He says to Ula, who just said the statement we just heard. Right, so we had a Mishnah in Peah that talks about somebody taking charity on behalf of a poor man, where we had Rabbi Eliezer saying that's okay, and the sages saying it's not okay. We had Ula coming and saying, explaining the rationale. We're talking there about a rich man, a person of means who is not a valid recipient of, of this charity. And that's where there's a debate whether or not he can do such a thing. Because um, he's not a valid recipient. Rabbi Eliezer says, well, he could be a valid recipient, so therefore he can take on behalf of, it, of another poor man. Whereas the sages say that's too much of a stretch. He's not a valid recipient, so he cannot share. He cannot take it for others. To this explanation of the Mishnah, Rav Nachman says back to Ula, I think you've made a mistake in, 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 in explaining this. I think the debate between Ruliyaz and the sages is when, even if the first guy was a poor man, taking on behalf of another poor man, even there there's a debate. Why? I'll prove it, says Rab Nachman. Because when it comes to a lost article, a hundred dollar bill lying on the side of the road, everybody is like a poor man, meaning everybody is a valid recipient. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're walking down the street and you find something lost, you could take it. Utnan, and referring to lost articles, does it not say in our Mishnah, if one person was on the back of a donkey, and he saw a lost article on the side of the road, and he said to somebody down there, Tnali, give it to me. Can you give that to me? Not la. If the guy took it, and says, I'm having it for myself, it's mine. It's his. Right? So we're saying, and in the Mishnah that we, that we quoted, if the guy down there, who was told, can you pick up that $100 bill for me? He picked it up, and then instead of giving it, he said, actually, I'm going to keep this. He can keep it. Now, says Rav Nachman, here's Rav Nachman's attack to Ullah. He says, If you say that in the case of Peya, of the charity, it's a poor man lifting it on behalf of another poor man. And even so, there's a debate whether that works or not. If you say that, over the page, back of the page, then our Mishnah referring to the lost article agrees with the rabbis in the case of Peah. I'll explain in a minute. But if you say like you said, Reb Nachman says to Ullah, if you say like you said that it's a rich man picking up the lost article, the, 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 the charity, on behalf of a poor man, and there there's a debate between Rabbi Yezer and, Rab, and the Chachamim whether that is okay. But if it was a poor man lifting up, both of them would agree, Rabbi Yezer and the sages would agree that you can lift on behalf of another person. Hamani, then who does our Mishnah go like? Loi Rabbanon, Loi It doesn't go like the rabbis, and doesn't go like Rabbi Eliezer either. This is what we got last time, and this needs to be explained again. Let's get that, that, that logic clear. We have a Mishnah in Peah, referring to the edges of the field, that says, that if somebody goes and collects charity from a field, collects this, the part of the field that's supposed to be for the poor man, and says, I'm giving it, I'm collecting this on behalf of a poor man, somebody else. Rabbi Yezza says, that's fine, he can do that. The sages say, he cannot do that, he has to give it to the first poor man he sees. That's the debate in that Mishnah. Right? Rabbi Yezza says, it's okay to, to gather 
produce that is for charity on behalf of another poor man, a different poor man, somebody else. And the sages say you can't do that. Ullah, the sage of the Talmud, says, let me explain what's going on in that debate. It's referring to a person who himself is wealthy, taking the charity produce on behalf of a poor man. That's where it's a debate. If the guy was not, well, if he himself was poor, nobody would argue that it's okay what he's doing. The debate is only if he's not poor. Because if he's not poor, he has no right to take the charity, even though he's taking it for a poor person. Rabbi Leazar says, it's still okay, because in theory he's a poor person, even though in actuality he's not a poor person. He's got a lot of money, but he could relinquish all that money and become poor. And if he did that, he would be a valid recipient of this charity. And if you're a valid recipient, then you can take it on behalf of somebody else. The sages say that's too much of a stretch. He's not a poor man now, so therefore, if, he, if he's not a poor man, he can't take it on behalf of somebody else. But both the sages and Rabbi Leza would say that if he is a poor man, the sages would agree he can take it on behalf of somebody else. If he lifts up the produce on behalf of somebody else, it works. It's, it's the other guys. That is Ullah's explanation of that Mishnah. Comes Reb Nachman and says, Ullah, you just stepped in it. You, you've made a big problem for yourself. Because there's a principle that all Mishnahs have to agree with each other. You can't have a contradiction between two Mishnahs. And at the very least, if there's two opinions in one Mishnah, at least one of those opinions has to agree with the other Mishnah, cannot contradict. At least one of them. Because if they both disagree, so then we've got a Mishnah dangling here that doesn't agree with either parties, either opinions in this Mishnah. So, says Renachman, I've got an attack to you, Ullah. Ullah, you've misinterpreted that Mishnah. You have to say that the debate in the Mishnah between Rabbi Yezer and the sages is even in a case where a poor man lifts up the charity for another poor man. Even there they debate about it. Why? Because we've got two Mishnahs, both of them talking about somebody lifting something on behalf of somebody else. And one Mishnah has a debate whether you can do that or not. The other Mishnah doesn't have a debate. Our Mishnah, the Mishnah of finding something, says, the guy is on the back of a donkey and he says to somebody down on the street, can you pick up that lost article for me? The guy picks it up. Assumedly, when he's picking it up, what's he doing? He's picking it up for him, the guy on the donkey. He's following instructions. And then, after picking it up, it suddenly strikes him. This is a hundred bucks on the side of the road. He asked me to pick it up, but it's not his. It's just sitting there. So he says, I'm going to keep this. He lifted it up on behalf of somebody else. And then turned around and says, I'm keeping this. What does the Mishnah say? He's allowed to do that. He's allowed to do that. What do you see from there? You're allowed to change your mind once you have the article, then whether the, it's a rich man or a poor man, they can change their mind. When, right, when, well, the changing the mind is not in both the Mishnahs. In, in, the, in, the, rich, in the rich poor man one, there's no change, changing the mind. But the question is, can you acquire something for somebody else? When he lifted it up, whose $100 bill is this now? must be. Why? How do you know it must be his? Even though he picked it up for the guy on the donkey. Because he can choose to acquire it. Well, you, you can't acquire somebody else's stuff. You can acquire something that's ownerless. You can't acquire something that belongs to somebody else. I mean, that would be stealing, right? So the question is, and remember, I mentioned this last week, in, in Jewish law, as in any law, there has to be a moment of transfer of property. Ownership is not a feeling. Ownership has to actually be defined. There's a $100 bill on the side of the road. At the moment, that, uh, that is ownerless. In Hebrew, that's called hefker. Hefker means an ownerless property. It belonged to somebody, but if a $100 bill falls out of your pocket and there's no way to identify you, there's no way to trace that this is yours, so then you've lost ownership of it. It's now, it's now onerous. So I'm walking down the street, I see $100 on the side of the street. It's not in a wallet. It's, 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 not, it's not hidden under a crevice. It's sitting there. So it's onerous. I can pick it up, and by lifting it up, it's mine. The guy on the donkey saw it. Seeing it is, is not good enough. Seeing it doesn't make it yours. He says to the guy off the donkey, 
for whatever reason, he can't be bothered getting off his donkey. Can you lift that up for me? Pick, pick it up for me. Picking up is an act of acquisition. I'm asking you to do it for me. Pick it up for me. So when the guy off the donkey lifts it up, whose is it? Whose? The guy picks it up. How do you know that? Because the Mishnah says, if after picking it up for somebody else, he then says, I want to keep this. It's his. How did it become his? Because it was always his. It never went to the guy on the donkey. Because you cannot lift something up for somebody else. It, doesn't, it just doesn't work. You cannot make an acquisition for somebody else. He lifted it up, so it's his. Until he gives it to the guy on the donkey, it's his. So then whoever picks up the, is it payer? The payer, yeah. The payer, it belongs to them. Correct. Correct. According to our Mishnah, we, we just read this Mishnah. According to our Mishnah that we just read about the lost article being found, when the guy picks it up, it's his. It's his until he gives it to the guy on the donkey. And if he doesn't give it to the guy on the donkey, it remains his, right? So picking it up for somebody else does not work. You can't do that. So therefore, if I would ask you, having learned that Mishnah, if somebody goes to a field of produce where the edge of the field, the payer is left for the poor people, and he lifts up the, the produce for another poor man, for somebody else, does it work? We'd have to say no. It doesn't work. At least according to our Mishnah, this Mishnah, it doesn't work. Now, we've got a problem. Reb Nachman says to Ullah, you've got a problem. Because the way you explained the Mishnah, the only time there's a debate between Rabbi Eleazar and the sages of whether you can lift up produce from the field for a, a poor person is if the person lifting himself is not poor. If he's not poor and he's lifting on behalf of a poor man, that does not work, say the sages. Rabbi Leza says it works and the, and the sages say it doesn't work. You can't, you can't lift for somebody else. But, Ullah said, if the guy was poor, then both would agree that you can do that. And that's, that's fine. You can, a poor man can lift up for another poor man the produce. That's not a problem. He, you can do that. If if, and says Rabbi Nachman to Ullah, the way you've described that Mishnah, it disagrees with our Mishnah. Because you're saying that everyone agrees that a poor man can live for another poor man. The only debate is if a rich man can live for a poor man. Well, no, because look at the Mishnah. The, the, our Mishnah says that you can't live for another person. When you lift it up, it's yours. So therefore, Rabbi Nachman says, you should explain your, your Mishnah in Peah that it's the debate is about a poor man lifting for another poor man. Rabbi Leza says, yeah, it's fine. A poor man can lift for another poor man. The sages who agree with our Mishnah say, no, you can't. Even a poor man can't lift for another poor man. Because lifting up is for you. Until you give it to somebody, it's yours. Yeah? No one would do anything nice for anybody. You can give something to somebody. You can give a gift. Like the poor man could be disabled, and how else is he going to get it unless somebody brings it to him? You, you can, but it's yours until it goes to him. Mm. That's, the, that's the thing. According, according to this, it's yours until, until, until it reaches him. Because, and you need to be a poor man to do that. Only because the right to this particular type of charity, there's many types of charity. This particular charity is that I own a field. This is my field. I can, I can, I can reap the, the crops of my field, but I have to leave the edge for poor people to come and help themselves. That's, that's, that's the law. And I cannot take that and say, I'm taking it for a poor person I know. I have no right to do that. And so too, somebody else who's not a poor person has no right to come and take it. This is for poor people to come and take. Now you're right, what about a poor person who can't walk? So they have to be looked after with other types of charity. There are, there are other types of charity, there's tithes and different things 
that I take and give. This one, it, it has to be left for poor people to take. And there's certain rationale to that, 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 that they have a certain level of dignity. They're, they're taking it on their own. They're not being given. They can come when, when nobody sees. Okay. So, are we comfortable with Reb Nachman's attack on Ulla, telling him that you've, with the way you've interpreted the Mishnah in Peah, you don't allow for either Rabbi Eliezer or the sages to agree with our Mishnah, and therefore that's not viable. You can't do that. There has to be at least, at least some reconciliation between the two. Um, Ulla comes to his defense now, his own defense, and says, I'm not the one that misinterpreted, you are. Um, sorry, what Yeah, okay, so what, where are we? Third line of the page, the second last word. Amar Ulla says back to Rav Nachman, Amar literally means he said to him, but who is saying to who? Ullah is saying back to Ramachman, Masnisin to Amr You misread the Mishnah. Our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is talking about where the person off the donkey says, I picked it up for myself in the first place. I didn't pick it up for you, I picked it up for me. <laughs> You're assuming that when the guy off the donkey picked up the object, he picked it up on behalf of the guy on the donkey, and then changed his mind and said, actually, I'm keeping it. And therefore you said, well, obviously the picking up for the guy on the donkey didn't work, because otherwise how could he change his mind? He never changed his mind. He picked it up for himself in the first place. That's his claim. He's saying, I'm lifting it for myself. I, I picked it up for myself. I never picked it up for you. You see, the, the words of the Mishnah are very concise and they are open to interpretation sometimes. They're very exact, but sometimes it could be interpreted one way or another. So if we, if we go back and look at the Mishnah, it said, what, what, what's the exact quote? He, a guy's riding on a donkey or an animal and he saw a, found a lost article and he said to his friend, give it to me. Notla, he lifted it. Doesn't say who for. And he said, the quote is, I acquired it. It's mine. At what point did he decide to acquire it? Doesn't say. You're assuming that he picked it up as per his instructions from the guy on the donkey. I picked it up for you. And then decided I want it for me. Says Ulla, but that's not the case. He picked it up for himself in the first place. And that's why it never belonged to the guy on the donkey. Had he picked it up on behalf of the guy on the donkey, it would be his. Because you can acquire something for somebody else, says Ulla. <laughs> but, but that's not what happened. He picked it up for himself. And if he picked it up for himself, then that's nothing to do with the case in Peah where he didn't pick it up for himself, he picked it up on behalf of somebody else, which you can do. Had this Mishnah been a case where he picked it up for somebody else, he wouldn't be able to change his mind, says Ullah. And Ullah says, and I'll, I'll support my argument. And what I'm saying is a much more logical reading of the Mishnah, says Ullah, than yours. Diktani Sefer, because the second part of the Mishnah continues and says, If after the, he gave it to the guy on the donkey, he then said, I acquired it first, he said nothing. Now here's something interesting. If you look carefully at the Mishnah, there's two cases. There's the case where he picked it up and then said, I acquired it, so he wants to keep it, and the Mishnah says he can keep it. The second case is where he picked it up, gave it to the guy on the donkey, and then said, I acquired it. 
And there, in the second case, the Mishnah uses the word first. I acquired it first. So the Mishnah uses two phrases. In the first case, he says, I acquired it. In the second one, I acquired, after he gave it to the guy on the donkey, he said, I acquired it first. Now listen to Ullah's logic. Um, why does the word first appear in the second case? Pshita. It's obvious. Even if he wouldn't say, I acquired it first, that's what he meant. If he picked it up, gave it to the guy on the donkey, and then said, hey, but I, I acquired it. He meant, I acquired it first. I picked it up. Why does he say the word first in that case? This is what it must mean, says Ullah. In the first case, he said, I picked it up first. And, sorry, uh, so, yeah, so, 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 in, again, what would only be appreciated as Talmudic logic, he's basically saying, because it says the word first in the second case, but it doesn't need to say it there, it must be referring to the first case. <laughs> like, again, the, we read the Mishnah, right? The Mishnah said that he picked it up, and then he said, I acquired it, he keeps it. But if he gave it to the guy on the donkey and then said, I acquired it first, he said nothing. It doesn't work. The word first only appears in the second case of if he gave it. But Ullah says, but it doesn't need to say it there. Because obviously that's what he means. The mission doesn't waste the word. Obviously that's what he means. So the fact that it says it in the second case it's to tell you that this is what he said in the first place, in the first case. If he said the same claim as, as, in the, as he said in the first case, in the second case, he said nothing. Why didn't it just say it in the first place then? Why does it say in the second case? Good question. So, so Ullah says, I have found an indication in this Mishnah that this man's claim, the guy off the donkey's claim, is I got it first. In both cases, when he picked it up and didn't give it, he says, but I got it first for myself. I acquired it first. I was the one who acquired it first, meaning in the, in the first place it was for me. Or in the second case, he says, I acquired it first before I gave it to you. But either way, this person acquired it for himself in the first place. He never picked it up for, for the guy on the donkey. And therefore, it is his. Had he picked it up for the guy on the donkey, it wouldn't be his. Who's going to pick it up in the second case? Who's going to pick it up, give it to the guy on the donkey, and then say, but wait, I saw it first, so he'd give it back to me? He was a, a bit slow off the mark. He only, he only realized the gold mine that he had. And it was a piece of gold. He doesn't realize it's a rock. <laughs> he, he, he's like, oh, hang on a minute. But I, actually, actually, I picked that up. So we say, it doesn't matter. Because even if you did, you gave it. Once you've given it, you've, you've lost possession of it. As long as you're holding it, it's yours. As soon as you gave it away, you gave it away. So... So Ulla has said back to Ranachman, I've defended my explanation of the Mishnah in Peah by re-explaining the Mishnah here to, to, to fit. In Peah, the reason why there's a debate about whether you can pick up the Peah and give it to the poor man is because we're talking about a rich man picking it up. Whereas if he was a poor man picking it up on behalf of another poor man, that would be fine. Everyone would agree with that. Reb Nachman said, but what about our Mishnah, where a guy picks it up for somebody else and it's not his? He didn't pick it up for him. He picked it up for himself. If you pick it up for yourself, it's yours. If you picked it up for the, for the guy on the donkey, he wouldn't be able to change his mind. Reb Nachman's not going to take that lying down. 
that argument, but he's going to counter argument, argue back to, to Ullah now. V'idach, we're on the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth line down from the top of the page. At the beginning of the line, V'idach, the word V'idach. V'idach, and so V'idach, the other one, meaning Reb Nachman, what would, what would Reb Nachman say back to this? Tana Seifilaguyaresha. Your interpretation of the Mishnah is so convoluted. No. The end of the Mishnah, where it says the word Tchila first, I acquired it first, is to emphasize the fact that in the first case, he didn't say I acquired it first. In the second case, where he'd given the lost article to the guy in the donkey, it's only in that case where he said, but I acquired it first. For myself. But we say it's too late, you've given it away. In the first case, he didn't say first. He didn't. And the Mishnah means what it says. He didn't say first. Why? Because he didn't. When he picked it up, he had the guy in mind. He didn't acquire for himself. He acquired it for the guy on the donkey. He didn't say, I acquired it first. He picked it up for the guy on the donkey and then said, hang on a minute, I want to keep this. And yet, the Mishnah says he can keep it. Why? Because lifting something on behalf of somebody else doesn't work. Says Rabbi Nachman. And there the debate ends on that, on that topic. Um, note the, the, the Gemara does not tell us, so who's right? Who, who do we go like? The Gemara doesn't do that. Um, but we'll see that as the conversation continues, sometimes the way to tell who the, the law is going to be like is the opinion that's discussed more, mm-hmm. that is given more attention. Even sometimes the opinion that's attacked more is probably going to be the final uh, halacha. The decision will go like, like that. The fact that the, the Gemara is giving it more attention, pulling it apart more, is because like this is the way we're going to go. So we need to be really clear on it. So let's see. Are we ready to continue a few lines? Rav Nachman, see we're on the 10th line now at the end of the line. Rav Nachman, Rav Chista, the Amr Tavayu. Rav Nachman, who we just quoted, and Rav Chista, and a new sage that we haven't quoted yet. Rav Nachman and Rav Chista, both of them say, the Amr Tavayu, both say, They both say a principle, and that is, one who lifts a lost article on behalf of somebody else, does not acquire it for that other person. The other person does not acquire it. Now we're going to understand why. What's the, what's the problem? We've, we've, we've touched on it earlier, but now the Gemara itself is going to say, there's a lost article on the floor. I lift it up. Not for myself. I lift it up for you. It's not yours. Why? My timer. What's the reason? Why can't I lift up a lost article for somebody else? Have a labal it is similar to the case where somebody grabbed money on behalf of a creditor in a place where there are other creditors. Somebody who grabs money on behalf of a creditor where there are other creditors, does not acquire that money. The story is like this. Elsewhere in the Gemara, not in a total other place in the Gemara, it talks about a, a, a totally separate thing. Um, there's a guy who owes a lot of people money. And this guy came across a bit of money. This guy who owes a lot of money came across a bit of money. There's a lot of people waiting for him to pay back debts. And he has been broke all the time. He has nothing to do. He can't pay. He's broke. Suddenly he comes across some money. Somebody notices this who himself is not a creditor of this guy, but a friend of his is. 
A friend has been complaining, he owes me money, he's never paying back. And, and, and this friend sees this guy has money. So he, he, so he grabs some. He says, you, you owe my, my, my mate money. I'm, 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 I'm taking the debt right now. I'm, I'm grabbing it from you. Says the Talmud, you can't do that. Because there are other creditors as well. So while a creditor has a right to, to descend on, on someone's property and make a claim, a creditor themselves can, but somebody else can't do that on behalf of a creditor where there are other creditors also waiting. Because if you're owed money by this guy, you can come and claim your money. But if you're not owed money, then you cannot say, well, I'm going to do a favor. You're doing a favor to him, but you're doing uh, harm to him. So when, when you acquire something for yourself, okay, that's, that's your prerogative. That's your right. This guy owes you money. You can claim it. But when you're not owed money, so then what right do you have to, to, to grab something that's not yours and it's not owed to you? Are you saying, I'm doing a favor for somebody? You can't do a favor for this person and harm that person. So th that's the difference. Yourself. Well, then that's, you don't, you're not owed the money, so that's stealing. Can't, you can't just take money. Theoretically, he could be owed money, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we didn't like that, uh, that stretch of logic. <laughs> so... So the principle is, the, the idea here, the, the principle of Jewish law, that you cannot do something on behalf of one person, to help one person, that will then be a, a liability or a, a loss for others. For, for, for yourself, you can make a claim, but you can't, you can't step in where it's not your business, saying you're helping somebody when you're actually hurting somebody else. Right? There's a general thing, this is part of a bigger principle in Jewish law. Um, can, I, um, can I intervene in somebody else's property? You know, so an example would be, if I, if I, um, if I am walking past um, somebody's house and I see it's on fire, but I can't get in, can I smash their door down to, to put out the fire? What would you say? No? Why not? Making damage to the house. Now you're liable for the damage. I make damage to the house to stop the house burning down, which is bigger damage. So, am I doing it for myself? Am I helping myself? No. I'm helping somebody else. Can I do something to help somebody else? Um, there's a general principle that says that you can benefit somebody even if they're not around. They're not here. They didn't ask you to do it. But for their benefit, you can do something. What you can't do is, is make somebody lose. Even though you thought it was a good idea. But you can make them benefit. To save something, to do something positive. But that's only true when it's benefiting and only benefiting. But if it's benefiting this guy, and making someone else lose, that you can't do. So, by, by, by extracting from, the, from this guy who owes all this money on behalf of your friend, where all the other guys who are waiting for being, pay, being paid will not, will not get paid, that you can't do. If there was only one creditor, then you could. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not hurting anybody else. But where there's, where there's all these people who are waiting for the money, you can't do that. In a similar way, there's $100 on the floor. Who, who are the potential beneficiaries of this $100? Who, who could benefit from this $100? Anyone. Anyone could, could. So can I pick it up and claim it? Yes, because I'm as good as anyone. As long as I'm doing it for myself. But once I'm doing it for somebody else, then we say, why this guy and not that guy? You're picking it up for him and then this guy loses. When you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for yourself. If you want to give it, you can give it to anyone. It's yours now. You can give it to anyone you want. But if you're lifting it on behalf of somebody else, that, that doesn't work because others are, are losing out. So says Rav Nachman and Rav Chista.
Okay. A survey. We're at the beginning of the line now. A survey. Rava Rav Nachman. Rava attacked Rav Nachman. There's a lot of attacking here in the Gemara. It's all friendly, logical attacks. Rava, another great sage of the Talmud, attacked Rav Nachman's opinion. You see the Eisavei Rava Rav Nachman from the beginning of the line there. Eisavei Rava Rav Nachman. Rava is now going to quote what's called a brisa. A brisa means a teaching from the sages of the Mishnah. But this teaching is not included in the collection of Mishnahs, but it's from the same sages. And so a brisa has to also fit with what the Mishnah says. It's from the same sages, it has to, it has to fit. So Rava quoted to Rav Nachman, who just said that you cannot lift up a lost article on behalf of somebody else. Listen to this, says the brisa. Metzias poyola A worker who finds a lost article in the course of his work, he's working in somebody else's field. Or he's doing a job for somebody else and he finds an ownerless article. He can keep it. Even in the field. In the field we'll discuss might be a problem. But he, but he's 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 working, he's he's on, on the way to the field, let's say, or he's on the way to do his work, whatever, he's he's on the street. But he's he's it's his during his hours of being hired. He finds something, it's his, he can keep it. One second. What are we talking about, says, says the Brysa. When do we say that the worker can keep what he finds? When the boss who employed him said, um, Weed for me today. I'm hiring you to weed today or to plow or, or dig up my field. He specified the job. He said, this is what you're doing for me. So then... If in the course of, of his work he finds something, he can keep it. But, if the employer employed him and said, I want you to work for me today. Didn't specify what work. I want you to work for me. What he finds goes to the owner, to the, to the boss. Why? You see the logic there? That I didn't specify what you're working. You're, you're working for me today. Whatever you do, whatever you achieve, whatever happens, it's for me today. I'm going to give you instructions. Do this, this, and this, and this, and this. You do that. But you're working for me. That was the contract. So your finding is, is mine. Because you're working for me today. If the job was hoe for me, weed for me, plow for me. If you specified a job, that doesn't include finding stuff. Rashi says, the commentary Rashi says, so therefore in that case, the time it took him to lift the lost article has to be deducted from his pay. I'm not, I wasn't working you for, for, for that time. But it's his. He, he keeps it. He only keeps it when the job was specific. But if it was a general uh, contract, you're working for me today, that means whatever you do, including finding stuff. That's, that's another job. People get hired to find things. So if, you find, if, if, if the job description was working for me today, then even the things you find belong to me, the boss. What do you see from there? Relevant to our discussion? You can pick up for another person. You can pick up for another person. The worker picked up a lost article and whose is it? The boss's. You can pick up a lost article for another person. No, Rav Nachman, what do you say to that? You think he can't get out of this? I'm sure he's got something off his sleeve. He's got something off his Amalei, Rav Nachman said back, ah, that's nothing. Shani poyo. A work is different. An employee, his hand is the, is the employer's hand. He's an extension of, of his employer. The, the, the contract between them is that I'm paying you for your work. Your work is mine. So, so, so it's, 
it's not that the worker's lifting it up on behalf of the owner. No, it's the owner has employed him as his, as his extension. You're doing my work. And so therefore you're picking it up. It's not you picking it up for me, it's me picking it up. It's just that I've paid you as my hand. There's a different, different relationship there. So that's the only difference that he's getting paid. Like the other guy's still doing it in all the other cases where he's picking it up, it's like he's directed by him to do it. Correct, but the, 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 the payment creates an agency, a representation that, that you are my representative. You're an ext extension of me now. And so, therefore, you, your work is, my, is mine. didn't create such a relationship. He, the one who was not on the donkey, he didn't, wasn't serving that guy in any way. He, yeah. It's different. You made a suggestion to me, pick up the thing for me. I could listen or not listen. Mm. I'm not bound by you, I'm not, you know. Correct. Whereas the worker, your, your responsibility is to me today. Your, your work is mine. You're, you're my, my employee. So, Yodai Kiyad Balabais says Reb Nachman, a, a very interesting principle. The hand of the employee is the hand of the employer. When he lifted it up, it's the employer lifting it up with his extended hand, which is the employee's, employee's hand. Um, we're not going to sit with that. Va'ama Rav, but hang on a minute. Didn't Rav? Another sage of the Talmud say, didn't, didn't, Isn't there a principle that a worker is able to leave the job even in the middle of the day? There's a, there's a, a rule that says that a guy's been hired for a day's work. Halfway through the day, he could say, I'm sorry, I can't complete this. I'll take half the pay. I don't, I'm not asking to be paid for what I'm not doing, but, I, but I'm walking off the job. Mm -hmm. And says Rav, here's some like workers' uh, rights in the Talmud. The worker's allowed to do that. If he's allowed to do that, if he's allowed to, to in the middle of the day say, I'm not working anymore, can you say that he's an extension of the, of the employer? He's, a, he's, a free, he's free to walk off the job. So, so, just the fact that he's employed does not make him into a, an extension of, of, of another person. That his actions aren't his, it belongs to... He's, he's a free being, he's so, he's so free, he could walk off the job, he's allowed to do that. We don't say that you were employed for the day, so you have to finish the day. He can walk off the job. So, can't, can't we say that his hand is his own hand? He's a free person. So... So what do you mean, Rav Nachman, saying that a worker is different because a worker is an extension of the, of the boss? No, he's not. He can, he can walk off the job if he wants. Interesting answer. Amalei kol kamad loy kiyad balabaisu. As long as he hasn't left the job, as long as he's still working, as long as the contract still applies, He's the hand of, of, of his boss. He's an extension of the boss. Yeah, you're right, he can leave. But until he does that, he's the boss's extension. And, and if he does leave the job halfway through the day, that's a totally different reason. Because there's a verse in the Torah that says, that Hashem says, the Jewish people are my servants. They're my servants and not servants to other servants. Meaning, there's an essential freedom that, 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 that when we left Egypt, we were slaves in Egypt, and God said, I'm taking you out. That made us free people, which means we're essentially free. And therefore, even if I have subjugated myself to somebody by being their employer, employee, I'm not, I'm not owned by them, and I can walk away. I chose to be employed by them, that's okay, and I can choose not to be. That's why I can walk away. However, says Reb Nachman, even though I have that freedom, I'm not owned by somebody else, as long as I'm working for that person, I'm the extension of that person. 
And therefore my actions are for him. My, if I find something, I lift it up, it's for him. Okay, so Rav Nachman has defended his, his argument, and that is that if you find something for somebody else, it doesn't work. You can't lift something for somebody else. You can only do that if you're, a, if you're an employee. As long as you're employed, you're, you're, you're his. By the way, one of the commentaries I saw says, what if you're working for somebody else and you see a hundred bucks on the street? Now, if you pick it up, whose is it? It's your boss's. You wouldn't mind a hundred bucks. So you quit. You say, I, I, I can't work anymore. Quit. Then you're not a, then you're not a worker, right? Mm. You can't do that. One of the commentaries says you can't do that. You can't. I would have gone and hit it and waited for him to and got it later. That, that would, when you were his worker, you saw, you saw it. You can't quit to take, to take the thing. That, that's, that's going against the contract. That you're not allowed to do. Okay, let's just conclude the last two lines of the Gemara. This is going to turn everything we just said on its head. Amr Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan. We haven't met him yet in, in, this, in this Gemara. Rabbi Yochanan was one of, one of the great sages of the Talmud. Rabbi Yochanan says, If you lift up a lost article for somebody else, the, the other person acquires it. It totally works. You can lift up something for somebody else. It's fine. Rabbi Yochanan obviously disagrees with Rav Nachman. And if you're going to tell me, but what about our Mishnah? What happened in the Mishnah? The Mishnah said that the guy on the donkey says to the guy, pick it up for me. He picked it up, which we've argued he picked it up for him. And then said, I want to keep it. He can keep it. Well, how's Rabbi Yochanan going to explain that? It says, The guy on the donkey made a mistake. He said, give it to me. He didn't say, acquire it for me. Mm-hmm. The, the wording was wrong, and so he ruined his own, his own chances. Had the guy on the donkey said to the guy, acquire that thing for me, then what he would be doing is making him what's called a shliach. A shliach means a representative. You're my agent. I'm asking you to acquire that on my behalf. And that does work. Our Mishnah specifically said, he said, could you give that to me? Give, give to me means it's yours and you give it to me. Like he, he said the, the wrong words. Mm-hmm. If he didn't make him an agent, so then when the guy picks it up, he says, I'm keeping it. And he can. Had he made him an agent, then he went and picked it up then it works. And, and the guy can't say, no, 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 I picked it up for myself. I made you an agent and you, you responded. You didn't, you didn't protest and say, no, I'm not your agent. I'm doing it for myself. You went and picked it up. So if I ask you to be my agent and you acquiesce through your silence, so then you picked it up for me, it works, says Rabbi Yochanan. That would have worked. It was only because he didn't say that. He said, could you give that to me? That doesn't make him an agent. He didn't say, acquire it for me on my behalf. That's why it didn't work. However, if you make someone an agent, it does work. So in your, in your case of the poor man who cannot, cannot get there, he can make an agent. That will be okay. Once you're an agent, you can act on somebody else's behalf. It's only when you act on your own initiative, you weren't asked to do it, then the question comes, well, you're making somebody lose. Right? So... We, we said before, you can't get a benefit for one person when it, when it does it not a benefit for another person. That's only talking about where you're acting on your own accord. If you're acting as an agent, you're an extension of that person. Like we said about the, the worker. If I, if I apply, appoint you as my agent, my representative, to go and get the produce from the field, or to go and pick up the lost article, that works, you're my extension. You work for me. You're, you're, you're my extension. You're not doing it 
to benefit me and, 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 and not benefit other people. You're, you're, you're representing me because I sent you. I, 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 I gave you that uh, agency. So says Rabbi Yochanan, you totally can lift something on somebody else's behalf if they've made you an agent. And that indeed is the halacha, that you can do that on somebody else's behalf if you've been appointed their agent. Okay. <laughs> so this is all for